Ask an expert number 10. Today, I speak with Josh LaRosa from Win Health Group. Josh gives an update on the snowball of drug pricing initiatives in Washington right now. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value. Josh LaRosa from the Wynn Health Group is back to give us an update on the snowball of drug pricing initiatives zigzagging their way around Washington right now. For the details, listen to episode 243. That's where we really drill into the details. This conversation is more of a status report. This Ask an Expert Relentless Health Value episode was recorded on February 6th. I mention that because things change quick. (laughs) My name is Stacey Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. This is Josh LaRosa from the Win Health Group. And as Stacey mentioned, I'm here to talk about a few things in regards to updates we're seeing on the drug pricing front at the national level. And I have three major things to really touch on here. But before I jump into those, I'll just mention quickly that When we last spoke, and especially throughout the entirety of 2019, there was a lot of activity on the drug pricing front, both on the congressional side of things and on the regulatory side as well. A lot of folks were expecting material changes to occur by the end of the year before we moved into 2020. But as it turns out, oftentimes in Washington, things didn't go as planned. And now we're sort of still sitting here looking at the remaining menu of options for the drug pricing landscape. And within that menu of options are the three major things that I wanted to talk about. The first that we'll look at is primarily on the congressional front. And this is in regards to the Part D redesign legislation that we're seeing. So as folks might remember, Congress has has focused on for most of 2019 ways in which we can restructure the Medicare Part D benefit to align incentives such that drug prices end up being lower for consumers and ultimately lower for the Medicare and federal reimbursement amounts as well. What this essentially will do on the beneficiary side is reduce out-of-pocket costs, especially in the catastrophic phase, which will provide a lot of financial relief to beneficiaries, especially those who do reach the catastrophic phase, meaning that they do have high drug costs year after year. And on the federal side, just one thing to remember is that this will mostly reduce the federal government's liability, financial liability for reimbursing on those high cost drugs and will instead shift a lot of this financial liability to both insurers and pharmaceutical manufacturers. So essentially giving the private industry more stake in the game for keeping costs lower. For more detail on what all of this, you know, please reference to episode 243 from uh, this podcast series. A state of play where we are legislatively from more of the political side of things, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has definitely shown appetite to negotiate a drug pricing deal with the president. However, you know, we're seeing a lot of tumultuous display, most recently at the State of the Union, so it's unclear what a negotiation might really look like between Democrats and Republicans. And I, I think all of that is just interesting to know when, when we look at party reform in Congress. On the House side, we have H.R. 3, which is sort of the progressive Democrats approach to what party redesign would look like. The most notable thing here is that H.R. 3 includes an entire title dedicated to direct negotiations between HHS and drug manufacturers in order to get drug prices lower. 
On the Senate side, there is a Senate bill as well that has a lot of similarities, although some of the details are different with H.R. 3 over in the House. But with the Senate bill, it importantly doesn't include negotiation provisions, marking one of the biggest contentions between the Senate and House bills. And the last thing I'll say on the Senate side is even the viability of that is not entirely certain. While the Senate Finance Committee, which is the originating committee of this legislation, is led by Republicans, given the Republican majority in the Senate, which would in name mark this a bipartisan bill, there are still several Senate Republicans, most notably including Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who seem to not support the bill. And so whether this bill will even see the light of day in the Senate is still questionable as well. We have a Senate bill that is unlikely to even leave the Senate for deliberation and a House bill that is entirely too progressive for most Republicans, both in the House and the Senate. And so whether Congress overall can coalesce behind a single solution is entirely unclear and the chances of that are honestly quite slim. The last thing I'll say on the legislative side before jumping over to what we're seeing on the administration is that the legislative deadline, so to speak, for the finalization of all of these changes needs to essentially take place by May 22nd, which is the expiration date for the current funding stream for several public health programs. These are what people are referring to as the health extenders bills, if you've heard of it referred to that way. But funding for these per the current continuing resolution is set to expire on May 22nd. So what Congress has done is essentially set themselves a deadline for finishing whatever they're going to finish on health care specifically by May 22nd in order to renew funding for these health care programs and then can tie into that any of these other additional provisions, i.e. the drug pricing Part D redesign measures. And everything after May 22nd, is likely to be minimal in impact because most of Congress's attention will then be focused on the upcoming 2020 election, which will take a lot of legislative days and just a lot of political capital as well, especially for uh, congressional representatives who are facing tough reelections. So really, most folks are expecting that May 22nd is the end all be all for the last chance that we can see meaningful health reform. So what this means is there's about two months left for Congress to really coalesce behind a drug pricing bill. And again, the chances of that are very slim. Number two sits in the regulatory realm. And this is the infamous international pricing index model that a lot of folks, I'm sure, are very familiar with. Again, what this would do is essentially tie prices for drugs sold here in the United States to the international sales prices that those drugs command in a list of other economically developed nations with the intent to lower U.S. prices to match those lower international sales prices. The interesting thing about this particular proposal is that it actually hasn't been proposed yet. What we've seen only so far to date is an advance notice of proposed rulemaking, which is essentially the way the federal government tells us that it intends to propose a new type of regulation or a new type of rule. But because we haven't actually seen the, the notice of proposed rulemaking yet, none of this is really in existence yet, so to speak. The advance notice of proposed rulemaking came out in October of 2018. We were expecting to see the actual proposed rule materialize at some point in 2019. The last real target date that we've heard from the federal government was November of 2019, but that has, as we all know, come and went. 
So we haven't seen it then. There were additional mutterings that it would be released immediately in advance of or right after the State of the Union address earlier this week. However, that didn't happen either. In fact, the president didn't even mention anything related to international pricing proposal in his speech. So that hasn't really been mentioned yet in a formal way recently. Things are really up in the air on that as well. We're still imminently looking out for it. But again, once it comes out, it's still just a proposed rule. It will have to go through the 60-day comment period, and then HHS will have to take it, take those comments that it received, work those in to an updated proposal, and then finalize that. Whether and when we see it is still a question, and then there are still steps to happen thereafter as far as implementing it is concerned. So still a little bit of lead time there. And the last thing on the regulatory front, item number three, is the administration's importation plan. This was whispered about throughout some of 2019 and formally proposed in December of 2019, just before the holiday break. With the importation plan, essentially what this would do, we didn't actually talk about this in episode 243, so I'll say a couple sentences on it. What the importation plan would do is allow states and other non-federal governmental entities to form these initiatives, essentially local localized initiatives to import drugs originally intended to be sold in the Canadian market, which would then be re-imported back into the United States and sold at a lower price to consumers here in the United States. This is implementing a provision in federal law that has existed since the early 2000s. However, no HHS secretary has really wanted to move forward on codifying and implementing those statutory provisions until now, at least it's been proposed. And the importation plan is still riddled with a lot of ambiguity and confusion. It's not entirely certain whether Canada would be a player in this, whether they would go along with it. There are some legal questions as well, so it's not entirely certain you know, what this would look like and when it would even happen. What we do know from, at least right now, is the common period is soon going to end. I, I believe the common period for the proposed rule ends here in March, giving stakeholders about another month or so to give their input on it. After that point, again, the federal government, HHS, would have to finalize what this scheme would eventually look like. Then states would have to then decide, A, that they want to do this. And there are a few states throughout the country, I think, that have shown interest potentially in this, one of them being Florida, another one being Colorado, potentially, um, at least at the state level. So assuming there's a federal pathway open, some states may in fact go for this, but states would have to apply, the FDA would have to approve those plans, and they would also have to not be blocked in court, which it's likely some court battles would result from this. So we're talking about a couple of years, realistically speaking, until we would see an importation plan through this current FDA proposed pathway even materialize. Like I said, the three major things that we're really looking at for drug pricing, all of them are still very much up in the air. And it's a, it's honestly a very good question whether and when we'll see any of them actually materialize. If Part D reform doesn't happen this year in Congress, it most likely will be punted until next year. IPI is really the one thing that the administration has touted for months now, for over a year at this point. And so if we don't see that, especially in light of the implosion of the administration's additional big ticket item drug pricing reforms, including the infamous rebate rule and the DTC advertising rule, if we don't see IPI really materialize, and that's another big X on 
the administration's uh, agenda to really reform drug prices and leading up to the 2020 election would be a political, let's say, misstep uh, for President Trump. And importation has received a lot of skepticism from several stakeholder groups. So whether the administration will move forward with that and whether the finalized plan would even resemble the proposed plan is also still up in the air as well. So there are certainly a lot of ambiguities. And I wish I could come back this time with more certainty than last time. But unfortunately, I think since then, we've lost some certainty. I'll also say one quick thing on 340B, since I know some listeners are interested on that front as well. As some of you might remember, HHS finalized in 2018 changes that actually cut payments to 340B hospitals, which the federal court system then actually overturned, calling that unlawful and uh, essentially vacated that rule. Interestingly enough, HHS in 2019, or for, for 2019 rates rather, did the same thing. And again, we saw a very similar response from the D.C. District Court on that. What HHS was supposed to do there afterwards was to suggest strategies that it could take to remediate the situation. It offered a few different possible options for how it might do that. This was back in the summer of 2019. And interestingly enough, after those two court cases, in its latest finalized rule for the calendar year 2020 outpatient prospective payment system rule, CMS actually forged ahead with its contested cuts to 340B drugs all over again. And this rule went effective on January 1st, 2020, so just over a month ago. So these same cuts that were deemed unlawful, HHS went ahead and finalized anyway in its most recent prospective payment system for outpatient facilities. We haven't seen a court case materialize on this front yet, at least to my knowledge, but it is likely that either the courts will continue to play out the current cases for the 2018 and 2019 cuts and subsequently apply that to 2020, or an entirely new case will open up in response to this latest regulatory change from the administration as well. So unfortunately, again, everything with the other drug pricing things that I mentioned, everything here is still pending as well. The difference is that they're pending in the courts and the courts have ruled in favor of hospitals on this front saying that, again, these cuts were unlawful. So it is likely eventually that we'll see some court decision really cementing this. It's just at this point a question of when. And it's unclear in the short term what's exactly going to happen with the 2020 cuts. But I would say just be on the lookout for a court case there as well to mirror what happened for the 2018 and 20 payment cuts. That's my quick take. Hopefully that's helpful. For more information, please see the Win Health Group's website. We keep that updated with information, developments that are occurring daily. You can always reach out to me at josh at winhealth.com. I'm very happy to answer any questions.